0: Hide your kids. Lock the doors. You're listening to HR's most dangerous podcast. Chad Sowash and Joel Cheeseman are here to punch the recruiting industry right where it hurts. Complete with breaking news, rash opinion, and loads of snark. Buckle up, boys and girls. It's time for the Chad and Jeans podcast.
1: Oh, yeah. What's up, everybody? You know who it is. It's your favorite guilty pleasure, a.k.a the Chad and Cheese Podcast. I'm your co-host, Joel Cheeseman. Joined, as always, the Sid to my Nancy, Chad Sowash. And today, we're excited. We're going to get tech on all you folks. We're, we've got the CTO of Pando Logic, Samit Gupta, on the show. Samit, welcome. Longtime listener, first-time caller. That's right. And, and yet a, a card-carrying <laughs> member of the fan club. <laughs> Does
0: he have a t-shirt? That's the question.
1: Oh, I don't have one yet. Are you guys go and ship me one. No. <laughs> you got to go to chad dot slash free and sign up, and we'll get you that. <laughs> nice, there it is. That.
0: That's right. Register
1: to win, my my brother. So aside from being topless, submit. Uh, <laughs> what, uh, what, should, what should our listeners know about you, the person, before we get into all the company stuff?
2: Yeah, not a lot of interesting stuff because I'm an engineer, right? So like you know. Go to engineering school and you do nothing interesting for the rest of your life. So, (laughs) um, no, but I do have a problem of hobby du jour. Right now, it's uh, really photography. Um, Avid uh, foodie, live in the Princeton area, have twins. They're eight years old. And they've aged me to where I look like I'm sixty, even though I'm like actually eighteen or something. So. <laughs> Avid foodie, we could hang out, submit uh,
1: totally.
0: Foodie, beer, e or whatever the hell they call it. Yeah, no, we're 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 there.
2: We're there. <laughs> yes. beer, beer
0: slut. <laughs> so so so, what what made you get into chatbots first and foremost? I mean, being CTO of Wade and Wendy. My
2: first CTO gig was uh, actually at a voice solutions company. It was called it's called Voxware. So we used to do voice uh, recognition solutions in the warehousing. It was like very, very niche, like super niche. You know, so this was just a follow on. We kind of like knew how to take audio and make text out of it. And for me, like, then it was like, okay, how, now you have text, what can you do with it? So that's where the whole NLP and chatbot stuff came in.
0: So you can start at least starting to grind on it from uh, ML and, and, and AI standpoint at that time. Is, is that why you did it? Or is that what you just started feeding the machine?
2: Well, what, what actually happened, I got into a conversation with Drew, shout out to Drew, founder CEO. CEO of Wade Wendy, And uh, he really wanted to, you know, typical grand vision stuff when you're a startup, like, why won't you dream big? He just wanted to make an AI recruiter. That was his, that was like, <laughs> one goal. So I'm like, sure, giddy up, <laughs> let's do it. Um, but, but what we kind of latched on to, and he had been a recruiter, and what we latched on to was the most unscalable part of his job. Uh, was really picking up the phone, like constantly, right? So pick up the phone, you talk to candidates, pick up the phone, you talk to hiring managers, maybe you need to do background checks, you do scheduling, whatever it is. You're just on the phone all day. And a lot of it is repetitive stuff. Oh, it sucks. Yeah, it really does. (laughs) So it's like if we could automate this in an intelligent fashion, like we're well on our way to making A.I. recruiter. <laughs> so that was the, that was a thing.
1: Let's talk about sort of a brief history of, of chatbots. bots. Uh, my take is they were more or less decision trees at the beginning. You had a lot of companies come come out, including Wade and Wendy. Most, if not all of them, have been acquired at this point. Um, and they seem to be evolving into more conversational A.I., a little bit smarter, Talk a little bit about the history that you saw and, and where we were and where we are today with with chatbots. And should we still be calling them chatbots?
2: Yeah, I mean, that we could certainly uh, talk about that word itself because it's gone through, you know, being a cool thing to being a bad word to now it's like, I don't know where we are now. But yeah, when it started out, I'd say like it was very command and control. To some degree, people are moving forms, you know, just like a web, web page form into yeah, uh, a text-based UI, and I was like, "Oh, I've got a chatbot." But you know, even if it wasn't that, uh, the first generation of it certainly very command and control, right? You could like ask the weather, maybe book a table at a restaurant, maybe not, but <laughs> that was kind of the goal. Evolving into something like what we were trying to do, it was tricky. It's a very nuanced switch, but you know, the chatbot, like in an interview setting, like a screening interview is what we started out doing. The the nuance switch is now the chatbot's actually in the driving seat, right? And you guys recognize this, right? Which is you're conducting an interview, you have some goals in mind, and you have to drive that interview from start to all the way to completion. That's a very different look at what a chatbot traditionally does. Uh, But yeah, it started out form-based, command control, then, like you said, decision tree, very rules-based stuff, and then evolving slowly into some more intelligence. To a large degree, that's natural. Like, AI systems are so nuanced in that you can only build them with data, and how do you get the data? So how do you release an AI product? You can't, right? Like, not from the get-go. Put something out there, collect data. Has to be a rules-based system. Now you can start building some intelligence around it.
1: And where are you seeing the most um, activity? Like, you know, when when these things first came out, it was like you know the little bubble on the website. Then it was sort of you know texting, and now it's evolved into WhatsApp and Messenger. And like, where evolutionary wise, where did you see the activity? You know, two three years ago versus where the activity is today, or is it in the same place it was when you started?
2: It is domain specific. So, uh, and even in our domain of HR HR tech, the it is uh, industry specific. So, um, you know, if you, the so-called knowledge workers, for example, will get on their laptop and browser-based session, and that's all great. If if you're trying to, um, you know, plan or hire to plan uh, warehouse workers or whatever, it's definitely more mobile. Work-related stuff is still less on, like, you don't see people trying to get jobs on on Facebook or, you know, a TikTok, right? That's not a thing. <laughs> So you'll see them on more traditional um, mediums.
0: When we take a look at chatbots and we're looking to evolve, I actually made a prediction on a couple of shows back where I said pure play chatbots are pretty much dead, that there's this evolution that's happening. And if you're still just a pure play texting or you know what have you chatbot, and you're not actually evolving past that of conversational AI into more thinking about platforms, you're pretty much dead on arrival. So what what do you think about that?
2: Certainly true for what we found. I'd say we, as Wade and Wendy, we spent an inordinate amount of time focusing on conversation. That was like our our thing. And what makes a good conversation? And we had some really initial, like super surprisingly to me, because I'm an old man. I'm like, who's going to chat for a job? This is ridiculous. So, but it was surprisingly good feedback. You know, people tell us, hey, you got, you know, you were able we were able to tell our story, eye-wateringly good feedback. It was like, oh, this is fantastic. But then what we realized was, yeah, we have to plug in to a workflow because we have to provide the data back to recruiters, to hiring managers in a meaningful way. What's the workflow? What's the ATS? What's the integration points? How do you fit in? Also, if you're bringing this into somebody's uh, ecosystem, whether it's, um, you know, a small staff, if it's a staffing company or an RPO, whatever, workflows are going to change. They're going to actually not pick up the phone. So something's changed (laughs) and you have to manage that change. So then there's organizational change management. There's a lot. So you're absolutely right. You have to plug in. Otherwise, you're this one off little tool on the side.
0: You made a great point of the fluid, the fluidity uh, of change. Well, the hard part about that is that we haven't like over the last few decades, we have the same processes and methodologies for individuals to be able to apply. And then the entire, the entire hiring process doesn't feel like it's evolved much, but yet seeing these types of technologies, it feels like we're actually nudging that to evolve faster. And do you think the pandemic had something to do with this? Or is this just literally how evolution is working in the tech space right now?
2: No, you're absolutely right. And that's very astute, obviously, that the pandemic certainly accelerated a lot of this stuff. Uh, We were all at Unleash recently, right? And people are Mm -hmm. still talking about the efficacy of things like chatbots and our EEOC friend uh, talked about it as well as a good, you know, tool to remove bias and all this stuff. But the there's never any, you know, impetus to adopt technology in our industry, unfortunately, unless there's a overarching event that forces it to do so. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean really we're so we're so backwards in a way because <laughs> going from that form-based stuff, like forms also to be like digital forms on a web was uh, transferring the analog. Because you used to fill out, I'm old enough, right? So you used to fill out an actual application form, right? Yeah. On paper. Yeah. And that was the only way you could record it. So they just moved that to the web, like a step one. Yeah.
0: They just took the paper and put it in digital
2: form. That's all they did. That's it. And it stayed there. And you know, heaven help us if we're filling out forms in the metaverse. That's just silly. <laughs> like we've failed as humanity. Did you just say metaverse? <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh no. <yeah. laughs>
1: <laughs> Don't tease me, Sumit. So we've, we've talked a little bit about uh, the past, and I want to bring it into the, the present a little bit. And when I go to Pandologic's website, I get the phrase fully autonomous. Define for me what fully autonomous means for you and for Pandologic or Veritone. And secondarily, uh, how many recruiters are you going to replace with this fully autonomous system?
2: Oh, boy. <laughs> We're going to elevate their jobs so they can focus on higher order functions. That's my, this is by recorded. No, um, on the first part, the autonomous piece today on Pandalogic's website is really talking about Panda IQ. Uh, which is truly, I you know, very objectively speaking, and it sounds like I won't be objective about this, but Pando IQ is definitely the best in class product there is for programmatic advertising, and that is one hundred percent fully autonomous. What we're doing combined with uh, Pando IQ now and bringing the Wendy platform to it is uh, automating that top of the funnel programmatic advertising and then bundling it with Wendy. So now you can you know, programmatically advertise your job, find and track candidates, seek out their interests, get an application, but now immediately engage with them automatically, right? So again, you're not waiting for a recruiter to go schedule something, pick up the phone, whatnot, and then get back to the candidate that's just been waiting around for some somebody to reply after they've applied, they get the immediate engagement immediately on on pretty close to real time from application. so it sort of sort of stops at the
1: hire. You're not talking about onboarding an ongoing relationship with the, with the candidate slash employee fully autonomous is the top of the funnel. So when they, uh, accept the job, is that what fully autonomous is?
2: Correct. I mean, and we're working through towards that higher part right now, what we're doing with PandoIQ and PandoLogic is getting from top of the funnel to top middle, right? We're fully qualifying. We're adding the quality component, to the top of the funnel, right? So we're able to engage and then f- qualify candidates for, um, you know, fit for the role, essentially.
1: So are you looking at being sort of a full life cycle? I mean, are you are you looking at doing onboarding? Are you looking at once they're an employee, hey, I have a question about my benefits, so I'm gonna hook up with you know the chat bot or the conversational AI to figure out what's going on? Or are you looking at the full life of the employer? Do you think you guys will stop
2: at the hire? No, I think eventually, and I don't know when, but these are are all thoughts we had, even as Wade and Wendy, right, which is all the engagement has to continue. We talked to even clients today that, so like staffing companies have large databases of people and, you know, they're like, you know, there's pride in that. Like, oh, I've got twenty million profiles at this, that many profiles. It's like, okay, but what are you doing with that?
0: Yeah, they're wasting away. <laughs> <You're> right. Yeah. <laughs>
2: they're just sitting there. It's useless. So, you know, they would love for us to go out, engage, re-engage candidates in the database. A hundred percent we'd want to do that. Right. So as we start getting into more of these functions, I believe there's any any time there's an aspect of having a conversation, there should be an aspect of uh, using Conversational AI.
3: How much do you understand the future of finance? I'm Jim Roos, a top 10 banking influencer and host of the podcast, Banking Transform, where we dive deeply into the rapidly evolving world of banking and financial technology. Join me as I interview industry experts, thought leaders, and innovators as they unravel the latest banking trends, disruptions, and game-changing technologies reshaping the world of finance. Redefine your understanding of the banking ecosystem. Subscribe now to Banking Transformed, available wherever you get your podcast, and now available on YouTube.
0: So Joel skipped over one of the biggest issues that we have in this industry today, and that's the black hole. Uh, so right now we have a couple of different things. First and foremost, we have a horrible black hole that uh, we ghost the hell out of candidates when, and then they return and they ghost us. But we, we also have this experiential issue, right? Somebody applies and then what happens? So what it sounds like is like you're actually pressing the process. And instead of having over 90% of the people that actually click on apply to apply for a job they eject and they don't complete it sounds like you guys are actually pressing that do you have any numbers on demonstrating percentage wise how many candidates you're actually getting from the push to apply to completion
2: yeah we have a lot i mean it varies by industry but i'd say like at some times we get 80 to 90% you know completion rates which are really really ridiculously high yes but we will we will reach out to everyone, which is fantastic, right? So it's not like you know you're waiting for a call after your first date kind of thing. Sitting around, actually, that's a, a pandemic situations uh, analogies have all shifted to uh, fixing up houses or something. So yes, yeah, so your <laughs> plumber's not calling you back, <laughs> that kind of thing. Yes, it's not that scenario. We reach out to everyone. The other side effect that happened when we did this this is early experimentation was that. Uh, recruiters were able to pick the best of their slate. So say they had 200 people apply. Right. Normally, and you talk to them, normally they'll get to like 10 or 20 of of the candidates, top of the pile. If someone's close enough to be a fit, you know what, move them, hire, fill the slot, right? Like time to fill is is the metric, nothing else is. So it's not necessarily that you want to get the best candidate and you want to get the first candidate to fill the position. So here we could engage with everyone, and truly now you can truly see who's the best candidate to fit the slot.
0: Oh, yeah. And you can give them a good experience as opposed to just throwing them into a black hole. So the black hole that we were just talking about was staffing companies. And it's funny because they they hold up these you know these great numbers of we have 10 million you know individuals in our database that we're literally doing nothing with. We've paid millions, if not billions of dollars to be able to acquire these individuals time and time and time again. Who knows how many times we've paid for the same candidate over and over. But what you're saying is through Wade and Wendy and, and Panda logic is that you can actually first and foremost help identify individuals who are meeting the requirements and you can reinvite them to apply to a job that they they, they meet the the requirements for. Absolutely.
2: it's very powerful. Uh, the conversational piece and the data you collect is just incredibly powerful. and we learned that throughout our time at to Wendy. We've so many stories about it. But, you know, just inherently, philosophically, you know this, right? Like conversations produce unique data. Everyone can go license, you know, data these days, whether it's your, you know, your favorite vendors like PDL or whatnot, you know, and you get almost the same data now because it's all everywhere. It's the same data is available. You scrape LinkedIn or whatnot. But conversations are unique. Like nobody was having that conversation with Wendy that we were having and collecting unique data. Like nobody's having this conversation we're having right now, right? This is unique. Well, yeah. It's a unique moment in time. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. Well, and the thing is in our industry is that Joel and I were starting to see More of this evolution from, again, pure play chatbot into being able to spread out into programmatic, being able to, in some cases, start to become the system of record. And actually this new fangled, I don't want to call it an ATS, more of like a a core talent platform instead of what Mm -hmm. we've been using for the last uh, two decades.
2: Yep, yep. No, there's definitely truth to that. (laughs) CTP. CTP. Core CTP. Love it. So we've we've
1: covered the past and the present. I want to talk a little bit about the future. So you guys get acquired by this huge public company called Veritone that are doing some really crazy ass AI video stuff. Obviously, they bought you guys to fit in, integrate with what they're doing. Talk to me about the future of what chatbot conversational AI looks like.
2: There's some really interesting stuff happening at Veritone, and we've done some very, um, I'd say, I'd say small in the scale of things, but mind-blowing uh, experiments with them.
0: I'm getting excited just thinking about what the hell is going on. Keep going. I'm sorry. I'm sorry.
2: <laughs> <laughs> it's all good. Well, I'm one of them, and I don't know if uh, both of you guys saw this, but it, it's like this, uh, you know, Chad Steelberg from Veritone is interviewing a candidate for a position, and it's using uh, Veritone's baritone voice, which is a synthetic voice system. There's the avatar that looks like Chad Steelberg, you know, yeah. and it's it's wild. It's just wild to see, and you know, there's emotions. the The mouth moves in sync with the voice, and then we're we're powering it with a Wendy conversational AI, walking through an interview process, and the can can talk to this, you know, <laughs> avatar, hear, feel, like it's just wild it's absolutely crazy this is metaverse shit right here though right it really is (laughs) why you guys why
1: why why so help me visualize this submit i'm a job seeker i go to you know company.com slash jobs maybe i don't even look at a job maybe i just look at a video of the ceo saying hey welcome to company we'd love to talk to you about a job what's your i mean is What does this look like from your point of view in terms of the usability of this solution?
2: Yeah, I mean, maybe it is sort of uh, one version of this could be a virtual job fair. You know, what's a virtual job fair look like in the metaverse? And, you know, (laughs) I didn't just stop saying that word. Damn it with the metaverse stuff, guys. Come on now. (laughs) But how do people get to know about opportunities? How do you do your employer branding in such situations? So this, this could be one avenue. But say, you know, in the more simplistic scenario, say you're applying for a job at Disney and Yoda interviewed you, right? Like, what a great experience that would be. That would be absolutely fantastic. Or Elon Musk interviews you for a job at Tesla. I, I mean, that's just fantastic. You don't buy into this at all.
1: No, I, I am. <laughs> okay. So there's also the 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 thing of like Yoda has to turn you down, right? Like, sorry, you didn't. <laughs> sorry, job candidate, you are not, or whatever, right? Not qualified, are you? Qualified, you are not. So there are some branding issues with this, right? Like when you put the face of your CEO, when you put a celebrity or some icon of your brand on video to like disappoint people, that's a that's a
2: branding question, right, or a branding challenge. There's definitely a lot of branding challenges and I don't know whether you you know, you just turn them down like maybe Darth Vader comes <laughs> and turns you down. <laughs> right. There's probably ways around this, but I think you know, I think the candid experience today has a lot a long way to go to actually get to a place where people are enjoying interview processes. That's just not even in the ballpark at all <laughs> and it would be nice to enrich it
0: yeah we did talk to ryan steelberg ceo of of veritone on a an episode a few months back around cloning voices and, and which is amazingly cool and scary at the same time then you layer on an avatar over top of that and we're starting to see cgi get crazy good. I remember when I was a kid and it was like Dragon's Lair came out. It was the video game, remember? It was like, <laughs> oh, <laughs> yes, this is something that's fluid. It really wasn't. But today it is, right? When we were kids, the things that we dreamt about are actually coming true. And that's just, just kind of scary, right? So when you're talking about this whole experience, how will you guys launch it? Will it be something where you actually test it in specific demographics? Or is it just like... All over the place.
2: No, I think they will be controlled. Like, we definitely have to have a lot of controlled experiments. And I really say the word experiments and stress on it because we have a ways to go to figure a lot of this stuff out. And, and there's this whole notion around um, uh, how is it phrased? Like, the metaverse is like the uh, internet of ascending dimensions. What did you say? Right. So here we are. We're talking about voice, video, uh, all these things coming together. And a lot of them are just actually on the output side, not on the input. Right. You can't like say I'm a digital avatar. I'm not looking at your facial expressions or your, you know, tactile, whatever you're doing with your hands and then getting feedback from it. It's usually voice with some, and and then maybe conversion to text or directly text. So we have a long way to go to combine, you know, this multimodal system, rich media together to create that near equivalence of a human experience.
0: Very far. Long, long way to go. All right. So we're we're not we're not digging into higher view facial recognition. So it's not that scary right. is what you're telling me. Right, right. <laughs>
1: Thank God. <laughs> One of the big challenges I know with with early chatbots was the integration uh, with ATSs and other other sort of databases. And it, it sounds like you guys have, have more or less solved that issue. But it seems to me like a voice, kind of the future that you're talking about creates a, a, a level of complexity that maybe the applicant tracking systems and similar platforms haven't even sort of thought about. Are they are they going to go by the wayside or do you expect them to evolve uh, to sort of this video metaverse like future? What does the integration look like for something like this?
2: Yeah, in the future, uh, you know, I'm not going to say they're going to go away. We have a lot of really good partners in the ATS world, but uh, <laughs> no, there's change, change afoot for sure. And even the ATS world, a lot of ATSs are human workflow based, the capture of some human workflows and processes where they're tailored to your organization's processes, then they have to change according to that and all that stuff. None of it is pretty and someone has to do the dirty work. So I appreciate ADs just for what they do, but they do have to change and evolve. And I think with all this media and interactions coming in and out, the data also changes. The decision-making on that data to a large degree can be automated. And to a large degree, also by the automation, the biases get removed. And that's what I would be excited about: is how much of this can you standardize so that it's not a person saying yay or "nay" because I don't know, it's not this guy does not look like Bob or sound like Bob and yeah. like Bob. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Yeah, that stuff has to like go away. <laughs>
1: and dis- disability issues as well. I know we've talked, uh, you know, um, you know, vision impaired, and and like a conversation is much more friendly than figuring out pictures on a web page um, or other things like that. So. I want to get a little a little dystopian um, on you. Fishing is a huge issue in our industry, and people faking who they are to get social security numbers or you know various degrees of, of information. It's been a huge problem, right? People setting up fake companies and fake jobs. How does does this future get worse with that technology, or does it get better because you know so people aren't going to Fake your CEO talking about a job. It's much easier to copy and paste and and fake it. And doing video, voice, sort of uh, the genuine article is much tougher to copy. Do you vision the future with more challenges with with phishing and scamming people, or do you find that is going to improve with with better technology?
2: I, I've usually found. and I'm not just saying this because I'm a tech guy, but I've usually found that the issues don't increase with technology. they just get exposed more, right? You're just able to see them. And once you can see them, then you're able to solve for it. But, you know, scamming and phishing, that occurs in the analog world, right? You just don't see it as much. You don't, you're not able to pinpoint it as much. So I don't know if it really increases. It just feels that way a lot of times because you're you know, it gets talked about, obviously, but you're able to actually pinpoint that this happened and trace it back to it.
1: Well, the easier you can do foreign languages, the easier, like better technology gives you more reach and scale to sort of scam people, I find.
2: That, the scale and reach is true. Like if, if you do scam, if you figure out a hack or a way to scam people, you're probably going to hit a larger swath of people. But at the same token, now you have an av- avenue and a place to go solve that and close the hole. So maybe it is in in that sense, if you're talking about like scale and disruption of reach, it's probably like, yeah, every time it'll, you make an improvement, then there's probably a little bit of step back and then, you know, you can go fix it and make another improvement.
0: So last question for me, do you see some of these bigger systems, these bigger kind of like older antiquated systems, whether applicant tracking systems or HCM, whether they're front end, back end, do you see them moving more toward a more mature conversational AI process focused methodology system? than what we're seeing today. And and would that happen mainly through acquisition or do you think they can actually build it since a lot of those companies have a shit ton of cash?
2: They do have a lot of cash. It takes a long time to build these things. I, I think most places are going to look for some kind of a, a buy over build situation. Mm-hmm. Most places will look for some solve around Uh, candidate engagement for sure, whether it's a chat, whether it's video, whether it's something, because the candidate experience part today is uh, sorely missing. Yes. And everyone knows it and gets talked a lot about. But nobody's doing anything. That's the problem. (laughs) I know. know. We're getting there. We're getting there. (laughs) I think it's happening. (laughs) People are listening. Finally, you know, like, uh, again, all these uh, events, you know, great resignation kind of stuff really does press on people to understand what is the candidate experience and, you know, stop pissing off people that are trying to apply for a job. Amen. Amen. (laughs) (laughs) Stop doing that. Submit Gupta,
1: everybody. (laughs) DTO at PandoLogic stop pissing people off who are trying to apply for a job amen to that submit
2: for those that want to connect with you
1: or learn more about pando logic where would you send them
2: oh uh, you can find me on linkedin for sure um there i'm cto pando logic uh yeah that's probably the best place
1: Pandologic.com. i'll help you out there submit there you go thank you chad another one is in the can Yep. we out we out
3: thank you for listening to what's it called a podcast